Hey, Chris Manning from Locked on Cavs here. Coming up on today's show, Evan and I are going to talk about the Isaiah Thomas era of the Cavs because we're masochists. And we'll also uh, have a little bit of the Larry Nance interview that if you missed last week, we're going to clip a part of it, put it up here in the podcast feed. Again, in the back end, you can go back in our feed and check out the full thing if you haven't already. But just going to give you a little snippet if for whatever reason you haven't heard that yet. Um, and then again, we're going to do mailbag on our next show. And then we have some guest books the rest of the week. So that'll be pretty, pretty fun. That's coming up today on Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Cavaliers, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland from Vanderbilt University. Evan, what's up, buddy? How are you doing now as we get further and further into our uh, quarantine existence? Um, I I don't really know, man. I looked in the mirror before we got on because I went to wash my hands because I'm anal about it ever since this has all gone down. And like, I looked up at the mirror and like, I'll keep saying this. I really regret not getting a haircut and like getting a proper shave before. Um, cause I'm incredibly vain without my beard, so I can't shave it off for people who are probably thinking that right now. But I just feel gross, and I'm ready for society to go back to normal. And I miss the Cavs, and we picked an interesting topic to discuss about a team that I actually miss right now. But. Yes, we did. Um, we're being yeah. a little, certainly being a little, it's a, certainly an odd team to some degree. Um, so I'm just going to make sure I credit the right person for this. So it's uh, at Tom Keeley underscore on Twitter. who tweeted us, uh, would love a breakdown of the Isaiah Thomas here in Cleveland. So, so many what ifs in the first few months. Um, Evan, let's just start kind of with where it's at right now. Um or where I have it kind of started. When, when do you remember how you felt when the Isaiah Thomas trade happened? It was in August. I could tell you where I was when I first heard about it. Um, and and I don't know. We can get into some of our reactions to it and stuff like that. But when you first heard that the, the Cavs were making this trade, which was going to be Kyrie Irving going to Boston, they're going to get back um, a pick, Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas. Pick obviously become a Colin Sexton. They later get Ante Zizic thrown into the deal. Um, what did you make of that trade? Um, to backtrack, when Kyrie asked to be traded, I was devastated. Um, sorry, I dropped something on my desk. But I, um, I remember going to the Winking Lizard in downtown Cleveland, where the uh, Galleria is, and just kept the drinks flowing for a little bit, just because I was just like, I felt stunned that this is the end of an era, and that's what it felt like, and then. The fact that he got traded to Boston of all teams, the team that the Cavs kind of exposed and made foolish in the playoffs, Isaiah Thomas especially. Um, definitely was a tough pill to swallow, but I think people know me pretty well as a Cavs fan. I try to look at the glass half full in most situations, so I was thinking like Jay Crowder was really solid for Boston last year, so that's like a solid wing defender for the Cavs. So I'm like, okay, that's that's okay. Um Isaiah Thomas obviously 
had a hip injury that a lot of players struggle to recover from, and as we see now, like he is another one of those players that struggle to recover from it. But I'm like, oh, but he finished top four in MVP voting last year, even though the system in Boston Taylor was Taylor fit to him to do that. Haha. Anyways, I'm like that could work too, maybe. And then like I'm like, oh, maybe Zizek had a potential. And that's where I saw the baby shack comment the first time actually. So I'm like, okay, there's something there, and then. I thought to myself that maybe, just maybe, that Brooklyn pick could pan out and the Cavs could get a top player in the upcoming draft because on top of all of this, we had the shadow looming of LeBron's impending free agency. So it just was a tough pill to swallow at the time and the, ver- the beginning of a very weird and frustrating and stressful and annoying year as a Cavaliers fan. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Um, I guess I'd say I don't remember exactly where I was when the trade happened. I remember being at the press conference and just thinking how weird it was um, when, when they announced when Crowder and Sizich, who I don't think talked, and, and Isaiah all spoke. Um, you know, I'll say this too. I, I have, I just want to get this out of the way because I think it's one of the things that's sort of the most uncomfortable about this. I really, really empathize with Isaiah Thomas and what his how his career has played out because. Oh, me too. He got hosed by the Celtics. Got absolutely hosed by the Celtics. So just for context, he's age twenty six season, plays all eighty two games, is absolutely unbelievable for Boston, makes an all star team. Um, is even better the next year, averages twenty eight point nine points per game in twenty sixteen-seventeen. Um actually they struggle in the playoffs. And they're not you're probably not winning a title with IT, kind of you're driving your team like that, but he's unbelievable, right? Really, really good player. Um just absolutely dynamite just an incredible kind of two-year run that i think we we've already kind of forgotten about to some degree um and then you know he has a hip injury which you know there's a lot of kind of conflicting stuff about what he played through what he didn't what the celtics knew whatever there's a lot out there you can go read about that we're not going to get into that here what is very clear is that i was got a guy who was not quite right um when he came to cleveland i don't you know and i don't think he's been quite right since he all you know he goes comes to the Cavs on the last year of a contract in the last year of his contract he is someone who certainly i think was hoping to get paid and and get that big contract that he hadn't um yet received or at least yeah, not the, the mega brinks trucks man yeah br- yeah exactly bring on the Binks trucks um does not play for um, you know, be playing, he had these secondary issues, all these issues and arthritis in his hips for several seasons before he gets to the Cavs. Um, he doesn't play until January of 2018, which is really, really tough. Comes off the bench, um, you know, plays a little bit, ultimately is traded on February. So he basically plays for the Cavs for like a month in reality. It's the mm-hmm. Clarkson Nance trade, training Fry and a 2018 pick out of the Lakers. Mo-Mark. I just got to say like, it, yeah, we're just thinking about how his season and how his career has gone since then. He goes to LA, goes to Denver, goes to Washington. He's with Washington this year. Gets traded at the Denver Washington is waived, and now is is a free agent. That's just like a really shitty end for Isaiah Thomas in terms of him yeah. being like a meaningful basketball player. That's not a yeah. fate I would wish on anybody. No, I agree. And like to give an even bigger context of it, he was drafted 60th overall by Sacramento, and. I think he took it a little personally when he did come to Cleveland when he was with the Kings and then eventually the Suns. I mean, obviously Boston, that rivalry got amped up between Cleveland and Boston, but Kyrie was the guy who was picked first in the draft the same year Isaiah Thomas went 60th, and so he probably played with such a huge... Well, he did play with a huge chip on his shoulder. Um, Napoleon-esque, even. I think he did have a bit of a Napoleon complex in that regard, but like obviously worked his ass off to to that point and like you said there's a lot of conflicting reports and just like what did and didn't work out in his last year in Boston and I think 
him playing through that hip injury against Cleveland in the playoffs definitely set him on a collision course just to never fully recover from it. And I think having to play alongside LeBron James and having it be so toxic and such like a, we'll touch on that in a bit, but like it reached critical mass at one point with Isaiah Thomas when he was, you know, kind of getting his way acclimated to playing on the floor in those 15 games he played at the Cavs, which it felt like so much longer than that. But, um, it's just, it was a weird time in Cleveland, but it also like marked like the beginning of the end of his career because I think he went to the Lakers and he was all right and then barely played for Denver and then was solid overall for Washington with averages of 12.2 points and 3.7 assists. But at the same time, who really knows what's going to happen next? Like Isaiah Thomas, um, Chris, you and I both are taller than Isaiah Thomas and just to give the listeners at home perspective, Chris and I aren't the tallest guys in the room. Yeah, I'm like probably below average. I think I'm like 5'8", 5'9", on a good day. Yeah, so give yourself a little credit. We'll we'll go 5'9", maybe 5'10", if your attitude's feeling it. But (laughs) no, we're both taller than Isaiah Thomas, and I guess my claim to fame is like whenever I meet people, I'm like, well, I'm technically taller than a guy who finished fourth in MVP voting a few years ago. And I'm like, oh, who is that? I'm like, Isaiah Thomas, but... Then the conversation just kind of goes away from there. But um, no, it definitely sucks for sure. But it's just, I don't know. With the looking back and maybe like being a little bit having the, the Cavs been having the Cavs taken away from me for so long. Like I at the time when he left Cleveland, like I could not stand Isaiah Thomas. Like I was so done with him and ready for him to be out of town. And like when he left, it was just like a nice multiple fist pumps at my desk because the Cavs like detonated their roster that day but like my biggest thing was getting rid of both him and Jay Crowder and Kobe Allen was able to do exactly that but now I just like you want to pity him a little bit just because like his career's never really recovered ever since he left Cleveland which is probably probably the last time he's played like seriously meaningful minutes besides I mean like that though yes the Wizards this year but that's kind of circumstantial with John Wall being out but he the Wizards aren't very good either, so it's just like I don't know what to think. Like it's just kind of sad to see how his career's ended up. So, do you think there's a world where Isaiah and Cleveland could have worked out? Um, yeah, but it's a very like niche and um probably improbable scenario that rolls out. It's basically. He comes back 100% healthier for that arthroscopic surgery to his right hip. And um, he, uh, not arthroscopic, but he can't throw the Lakers. But um, when he comes, he bounces back from the hip injury 100%. I know Kobe Alvin at the time like was trying to downplay the severity of the injury when, injury when he was required by Cleveland. But he comes back. Maybe he doesn't return to full MVP form because let's be frank, like those MVP that MVP season he had in Boston is because he was the head of the offense for that Celtics team and that Boston team was just like kind of fit to work around him instead. But if he's able to be a respectable player and then like the Cavs are able to make a legitimate run like they would in the playoffs and that that season as a whole wasn't so toxic on his return. I think that's a win in that trade in that situation, and maybe that would have made it work better because you also have to put things in perspective here. The Cavs traded arguably the best or second best if you look at Mark Price as the best point guard in franchise history for him. If you aren't coming out and like fitting perfectly and making everything click right away, it's just gonna... You're already set up to fail to begin with, and I feel like 
the odds were stacked against Isaiah Thomas from the moment he was traded here. But like in a perfect scenario, like he had gel perfectly with LeBron and Kevin and like didn't snitch to the media or more specifically woge on things about what was going on, just kind of played the company guy and like work through things and just, you know, help the Cavs make a meaningful title. I'm like, yeah, maybe it could have worked, but obviously it didn't because he got traded right at the deadline. So. There are so many unknowns about the dynamics of the locker room that we will probably never know, but I do not think they were good. Um, oh, no. I, I, I think there's, there's a lot we just, again, don't quite have the full story. We may never get the full story. Like, um, I cannot figure, I don't think him and LeBron ever got a mesh long, even though they knew each other for a long time. I, th- I clearly, just based on some, some anecdotal evidence on the court, I don't think, um, you know, that Isaiah well, and Kevin Love particularly got along. Um, I mean, there's a clear, remember that clipper he hunched over and handed the ball to AT. Yeah, it's one of the, the most iconic Kevin, it's frankly a top 10 iconic Kevin Love Cav thing because it's just so freaking petty. Um, mm-hmm. When I think about that season i think it works but i don't i think the roster wasn't quite there um i i think if isaiah is not healthy like it doesn't matter and i and i think kind of one of the things that i guess to me when i when we were i say like, there's so many unknowns about that i think for me the biggest thing is number one was that kind of the best deal and number two like how much did the Cavs really know about isaiah's health how much did they feel like lebron was leaving because it seems like they just valued that pick looking back more than anything mm-hmm. else because jake Ryder didn't matter uh, to that team, he was gone at the deadline. Um, as he goes on to his visit, has not really mattered. Sexton's the only meaningful guy that still kind of was moved in that deal, which kind of is bizarre. Um, there's just again, there's just it just didn't work. And Isaiah not being healthy, I think from the beginning, just kind of doomed this. And if he wasn't going to come in, and I mean, I think as you said, kind of be kind of fall in line and kind of know his role um, within that that hierarchy of that team. There's there's just going to be there's just going to be no, no good of it. And I distinctly can just remember the video, the the last game. Um, we'll take a quick after this, but it's just when he he's talking to locker room after that Wolves game where LeBron hits the game winner. There's the the iconic image of LeBron like hitting hits the shot over Butler, jumps into Jetty, and Isaiah's like clawing at him because he's just so mm-hmm. much smaller. And it's just really, this really awkward kind of wild photo. Um, and you have the situation where he's like, I hope I don't get traded. And then like, you know, like whatever hours later, like he's, he's out of there. So, you know, um, it's, it's just one of those things where just nothing about it quite worked. Um, all right, take a quick break, come back, talk a little bit more about Isaiah Thomas and that era of Cavs basketball on this episode of Lockdown Cavs. All right, we're back, Evan. Um, here's just to run through Isaiah Thomas's stat line. For, for the Cavs in 15 games, 27.1 minutes of game, shot 36.1% from the field. That was down from 46% the year before, 25% on threes. That was down a good 12% from the year before. Um, all these other numbers, quite, quite bad. Uh, 17, 14.7 points from the field still, but, you know, very, very little about Isaiah in this scenario worked. Um, and I, it's like, I could be forgetting stuff. My my memory is not always quite the best. I could not tell you a single, like, big Isaiah Thomas Cavs moment. I don't can't remember, like, one where I was like, okay, like, this is this is quite going to work. And I'm certainly probably forgetting something. There's probably, like, a, a podcast or an article I wrote that indicates I thought differently. But it's not what you want. Well, I remember when the Cavs got gobsmacked with the Thunder on national TV. 
It was in January of I'll look. Okay, I'm going to look this up as you're talking about it. That's what Isaiah Thomas scored a season-high 24 points, and that was his biggest game for really at the Cavs. And that game you mentioned, like when LeBron hit that game winner against the Timberwolves, like exasperating shot for an exasperating season for a guy who, in LeBron, he quite literally put the team on his back, and he um, – Took a quote LeBron, he said, the Lord gave me big shoulders for a reason. So he shouldered the load for the Cavs that entire year. And just like, IT had a good night that night too, I guess you want to say. Like he shot the less, he took the least amount of shot attempts that game and like was playing more of a pass first role, which is something maybe the Cavs needed. Because just to give people an idea who maybe weren't watching the team as closely that year or just don't really remember, Jose Calderon was arguably the best point guard on the Cavs. He was so good for that team. Like it was like it's sort of the only thing I can compare it to is like how Delhi just somehow helps this year. Yeah. Or like just for some weird reason, like the Cavs plugged in Jose and they go on that winning streak and like they're absolutely clicking and then things just kind of fell apart. But no, Isaiah Thomas if you really think about it, too, he was in a contract year that year. He infamously, like I, infamously, like I said in the last segment, said that the Celtics were better back up the Briggs trucks for him because he was looking to get paid. And you're a dude who gets picked 60th overall, and you've been floating between Sacramento and Phoenix, and like you're hoping you find a permanent home in Boston, and then you seem like you have it in Boston, but Boston shows you the door, and you know, kind of really shows what they how they feel about certain players within the organization. Um, that's a discussion for another day, but like hoping it could work in Cleveland. But like Isaiah Thomas was in a contract year, so he was obviously looking out for number one. Um, J.R. Smith's another good example of maybe a player like that where J.R. looked locked in and committed and was like trying to do his absolute best and gets paid, then he coasts. But so maybe the Cavs looked out in that regard with IT. But um, I think Isaiah Thomas was trying to do a little bit too much of everything and trying to play too much like MVP player Isaiah Thomas. And I think that. Um, Tristan Thompson had a really good quote from a piece by Brian Winhurst and Dave McMenamin, and Tristan said uh, he was talking about Johnny Flynn, and I just had it. Now I feel like When you think about hip injuries, you think of Johnny Flynn, Tristan, said Tristan Thompson, and he was very close to Johnny Flynn, so that's a tough thing. you got to be patient, and that's tough part about being on the Cavs, there is no time. You have to be ready and go, to go right away. And that's the thing. Like The Cavs couldn't afford to be patient with Isaiah Thomas either, so like maybe he was rushed back onto the floor. But yeah, no, it was just like a relatively unremarkable time, especially considering who the Cavs traded for with Isaiah Thomas and that Brooklyn pick to an extent being the two central pieces in this trade. Um, and it just kind of made it even more frustrating. And I don't think there was any like hard feelings among Cavs fans about him being shown the door. Like, I think everyone who covered the team and just everyone who was involved in the whole situation is ready for every all parties to move on. Yeah, I think one of the big unknowables that I think I for me I think the biggest unknowable about all of that era was just what were the what did the Cavs actually know about the medicals? Yeah, like I I think like what they knew about what LeBron was going to do is certainly there. I think they probably I clearly were operating under a sense of like we don't we 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 think he might be leaving, and um, them wanting yeah. to not repeat the mistakes of last time is just so apparently clear in what they in, in largely everything they did that season in terms of the roster. Um, I remember there was like thing that's like you know the roster spot. They there was like some stuff about LeBron wanted like 
uh, Jamal Crawford type instead of like I think it was even it might have even been Jetty for that last roster spot and, and stuff like that or mm-hmm. and you know wanting to trade the pick and you know there's there's stuff you could believe about what well, may or may not have been available for that pick and, and everything like that um but I think it's the, the, I think it's the medicals yeah well that and LeBron didn't even want the trade Kyrie to begin with LeBron said let me talk to him and then he can smooth this out so like this we wouldn't even be having this discussion maybe the Cavs waited to see if LeBron and Kyrie could bend fences or if you know if David Griffin's still in charge who could still connect with Kyrie <sighs> it's probably where this all starts honestly yeah no Griff was LeBron's guy he was vocally disappointed in Griff not getting an extension either so well and Griff was very clearly the one guy who could um chat so. yeah he can make, make something out of nothing in a trade, and he could get in with Kyrie. He, get, he had a good pulse on how the team was operating, and he had a good feel for the pulse on how the team was operating. So, <sighs> just I'm getting frustrated thinking about it again because, like, that whole Isaiah Thomas time in Cleveland was just weird and just like what an overall bummer of a season for LeBron. What could be LeBron's last year in Cleveland? He could come back for one more tour, but a really shitty way to wrap things up because. He dragged uh, that team to the final. Yeah, That's he like dragged the that most, team. Yeah, unbelievable work. He broke his hand after JR had that gaff in game one. Then it's just a a weird year, a weird season. And like, I think not ex- agreeing to an extension with the Griff and putting Kobe Altman in place. And like, again, we're not criticizing Kobe Altman here, but we also don't really have a good idea of where we, what we think of Kobe Altman as a GM yet. But Griff built that team. He had the command and respect. He had the respect of LeBron. He had a good idea of how that team worked. Like that was the signal in the beginning of the end. And then I think trading for Kyrie and what kind of felt like a bit of a panic trade because if you really want to break it down too, we can maybe split to those hypotheticals in a second. Like the Cavs had a lot of trade offers on the table for Kyrie as well, Kevin Love as well too. But that would have been a lot better for the team. And um, it just kind of made me feel like that pick was like the big central piece, especially for if the Cavs weren't sure if LeBron was coming back or not. Maybe it was a good starting point from the rebuild. And yeah, by all accounts, Colin Sexton is, but you always do think, what if? The trade stuff is our big what ifs. Um, I would take that Bucks trade every day of the week. So. If, if it was actually, the, it's just like some of that stuff, I just don't know how much of it is actually like real. In my heart of hearts, I want to believe that offer for for those who don't know the uh, the hypothetical offer was Kyrie to Milwaukee for Chris Middleton to a package center around Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon. You take that trade every day of the week. If you but even make. like the the stuff where it's like um, we could have got Paul George in a three way deal and whatever. Like there's 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 and stuff Bledsoe. that yeah, and there's just like stuff that summer that is like clearly so much better than what the Cavs ultimately got for Kyrie. That is just very weird to me. There's just something I've, there I've, that does not fully track to me. There's just like there's there's information that people that are more in the know than us probably know. Um, maybe it's been reported and I've missed it, but there is just something like in between what the Cavs got for Kyrie and what reportedly was out there, and maybe it was just the spectrum of the way those deals are oriented. But they're not there, and there's something missing about that. And like and and like, I also wonder if the Cavs could have also asked Boston for more. You know, it's like if if. Like, well, they tried to. They tried to ask for Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Which, but like, should you ask for that? Like, should you ask? Should you ask for Jalen Brown up front? Because he should have. Yeah, because I'm Let sorry. There's, there's, there's just a Would track record that? of point guards uh, that are five nine or under. They break down at thirty. Isaiah has the hip injury. If you were all concerned about that, you should have asked for another asset to take him on, and it should have been something really good. And the Cavs yep. had Kyrie. It's not like they had like. 
even if the stuff about maybe they were the, the truth is out there that is like he was going to sit out this season and have knee surgery and like they were spooked by that whatever um i bet on lebron figuring it out because Kyrie sitting out a season would have been like really really unprecedented um yeah and wouldn't didn't Kyrie have two years left on his contract at that point yes so the Cavs could have afforded to have could have afforded to have him sit out and then Maybe men fences and LeBron leaves and run it back with Kyrie and Kevin instead of Colin and Kevin and, and where we're at now. And I think there's so many like splits to the path of what the Cavs can and can't do in this scenario. Like that could the, alter, obviously alter like where the Cavs are at right now. I think. Oh, 100%. I don't know. Like taking Jalen Brown, like would you take Jalen Brown over Colin Sexton? I think at yeah. this point, yeah. It's it's I I'm pro con section. Jalen Brown's a much much better player. Yeah, no, and just like there's that hypothetical where like why did the trades break down? Like you said, and maybe it's because Griff had more of a rapport and working relationship and other GMs in the league, and like other than Kobe, I mean Kobe was able to salvage the season for the most part after he traded away Dwayne Wade and Crowder and Thomas and. Channing and like everybody else, and just completely brought in like George Hill and Roddy Hood, and you know, just and Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson, like all these key players that that came out and came in. Like, it's just I don't know. There's a lot of what ifs and a lot of different scenarios that could go down to your head, and like, it's just I don't know if you can really say either team won the trade either. Like, I. I know it's fun to rib Boston fans saying that the Cavs ultimately won it because the Cavs are the only team that has a key piece left, but who knows? Cleveland could trade Colin Sexton this offseason, or they could trade, they could trade him down the line for another piece as well, and then, like, who's really thumbing their nose at who? Like, I don't know. It's just, I feel like the Cavs maybe panicked a little bit in this trade, too, and like you said, Isaiah Thomas is 5'9", was over the hill and had a serious degenerative hip injury, and also had an injury history on top of that. Like you could have gone back and asked for more, maybe just said no dice and then let Kyrie sit out. And I think like you said, playing on a LeBron led team, I don't think you really can afford publicity wise to be able to sit out for an entire season. If you do pull that kind of stunt. Yeah. I think that's right. Evan, any final thoughts about the Isaiah Thomas era? You want to, you want to get off your chest? Um, it gave me one of my favorite sport rants ever. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever watched it, but Shannon Sharp, um, when they had the locker room blow up, and it, it turns out, like, I wonder how sh- shitty Isaiah Thomas and Dwayne Wade feel for going after Kevin Love because I think it's he was having a panic attack. He wasn't having, he didn't have the flu when he had to leave that game. So I wonder if like they feel bad about it now after going at him like that, but um. I will give that credit. It gave me one of my favorite sport rants where um, like Shannon Sharp tells Isaiah Thomas that he can't feed the post because unless it's the fire hydrant, he's unable to pass over it. So I don't know. Just a weird time in Cavs basketball. What a weird season in Cavs basketball. I remember I was thinking like they could lose to the Pacers in the first round. Like if you really want to look at the grand scale, like after IT, like just the whole year sucked. And I think it took a couple years off my life just from how stressful some of those games were and how like frustrating those games were. But yeah, you can live in the past for all you want, but this is kind of why the Cavs are where they're at now. So I don't know. I think that's kind of what I can take most from the Isaiah Thomas era in Cleveland. What about you, buddy? 
they were really bizarre games. They were really bizarre. That was just a bizarre season. Um, there's a lot that I would just like to get into in there in the future and kind of figure out. Um, it's amazing that that team made the finals. We're going to do it a was. rewatch at some point, um, even if we just end up talking about it and not doing the Twitch part of it, which we're kind of working through some logistics there. Um, one of the things I really, really want to watch that first game in Boston of all places after the deadline where Clarkson and Nancy oh, yeah. Mute and it, the Cavs were just freaking rolling. And it's just the new bodies just clearly brought so much life to that group. And it was just really bizarre. Um, well, remember that game they played against Atlanta where they only had like eight players and like the Cavs were so much happier just with all those players out of the locker room. Yeah, I think like Calderon played like 40 minutes or some shit. And mm-hmm. it was just like, okay, what are we doing here? Um, weird year. Really, really weird Cavs year. One of the most yeah. underrated weird basketball years of all time. Okay, uh, coming up next, a little snippet of our interview with Larry Nance Jr., and we'll be back tomorrow with a mailbag. So thanks for listening, and thanks for listening to Locked on Cows, and we'll talk to you then. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, if you haven't looked at me before, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushis. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and what I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So, no more trips to the store, no more late night fast food runs, and I don't ever have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free delivery, download the app and use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. We have the pleasure today of having Cavs forward Larry Nance Jr. on with us. Larry, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing good. Um, so first off, how are you and your family and everyone just kind of approaching and, and managing the the season being suspended and just kind of the situation that we're we're in right now as a, as a broader society? Uh, just kind of managing really how everybody else is, you know, just, you know, doing our doing our uh you know our public service by staying inside and and um you know just trying not to i'm trying not to drive my wife crazy so what what is your like day kind of like now um with being at home with um with self-isolating with just kind of all the protocols in place what is just like a normal sort of day look like for you right now um really it's it's just super boring i mean it's it's really gonna <laughs> you guys it's really just gonna bore you guys to death like just wait i mean really um it's like it's summertime right now like i there's you know i'm trying to stay inside so not going not going to any gym shouldn't be going to any gym um you know just uh kind of wake up whenever you know i i think uh i i see my you know my mom and dad and little brother who's home from college i see them probably every day, you know, if one of us has it, all of us have it. Cause the whole dance plan, that's just, you know, where we've been hanging out with each other the whole time. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's just really just trying, find, trying to find ways, you know, to not 
drive each other crazy. Like it's, I don't know. It sounds crazy to, it's just crazy that we're sitting here in March and there's nothing better to do than sit on the video games and watch TV. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. What video games have you been playing, Larry, for those at home who are probably interested after you said that? Um, so for me, I do a lot of, uh, I do a lot of FIFA. I, I play some Call of Duty and, and a lot of Apex Legends. You jump in with Dylan at all whenever he's streaming because he's become quite the Twitch guy in the last few weeks. Yeah, no, I'm not a huge, uh, I'm not a huge stream guy. You know, when I when I go on to play video games with with my buddies, it's it's uh, I don't really care to censor what we're talking about. Dang. So you know, the the stream the streaming world isn't necessarily my my cup of tea. No, I get that for sure. Has Chan- have has Channing like responded to any of the barbs you've thrown at him about his video game play of late? Like has that has that kind of ri- quote unquote not rivalry per se, but that kind of fun little kind of beef that we've you've seen and tweeted him and stuff. Has he has he come out and challenged you at all or had has he been kind of ducking you a little bit? No, one hundred percent. I mean, Channing's doing the same thing as the rest of us are, so he's looking. He's just looking to uh, to to pass the time as well. So yeah, we've been. We've been playing a few games together, a little bit of Apex, a little bit of Overwatch, and and uh, yeah, the, the friendly banter between me and Channing is just is that'll go on whether we're whether we're uh, stuck at home or in full or in full playoff mode. That's just how we are. So I guess just to like to ask you about this. Larry, since obviously a lot of people know like you have Crohn's disease, and so you obviously have to take a lot of extra precautions with everything going on as well. Can you kind of walk us through like what you have been doing just to like you know keep yourself extra safe on top of you know just normally being safe like everyone else is? Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, like you said, I have I I, I have Crohn's, and uh, you know that means you know not just the Crohn's itself you know makes me more susceptible to it, but um, the medications I'm on were originally thought of as, um, you know, you hear, you know, here you hear this disease, this this virus is kind of attacking the elderly and the immunosuppressed, and and uh, you know that I'm the immunosuppressed, mm-hmm. and so um, yeah, I was you know pretty terrified when you know Rudy, you know, when the diag- you know when Rudy got diagnosed with it, and then guys around the league were coming down with it that you know we had kind of been in contact with, and. Um, you know, that was, that was pretty scary. Cause I know, you know, of all the people I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in the, I'm in the area of that, of the group that's going to hit pretty hard. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was, it's, you know, it's good to know that came and went and, and, uh, you know, I don't obviously don't have it. We feel great. We're healthy and everything, but, um, you know, I, I, since, since they shut down the league, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't left the house. I mean, I, my, my family comes over, uh, we take rides in the car, but don't get out. I mean, I haven't left the house just because it's, you know, I, I really, I really can't get this thing. No, absolutely. Like I read the piece on the athletic that you worked, you helped can work with and like, obviously you're trying to do everything you can to keep it as clean as possible. So like, do you have, you have hand sanitizer everywhere? And, um, obviously like I'm sure antibacterial soap and like, does your family have to like disinfect and everything when they come inside just to be safe? Yeah. So, I mean, my family's doing the same thing. Like they haven't, they haven't been out of the house either. You know, we stocked yeah. up, 
uh, we stocked up right when this thing, right when it first happened, and we've been pretty good, you know, in terms of you know preserving our 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 you know our our reserves to make sure we don't have to go anywhere. But um, no, that's not like they come in the house and have to wipe down or anything like that. It's just gotcha. you know, if they have it, I'm gonna get it. If I have it, they're gonna get it. Just because you know, I know they haven't gone anywhere, they know I haven't gone anywhere. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's hand sanitizer just about everywhere. There's soap. I wash my hands. My hands are super dry from just washing and washing and washing. And, um, you know, other than that, I'm just, you know, I, I, I interact with, you know, my family, my wife and my dogs. And, and if any of us have it, then that's just, that's, that's just, uh, that's just something I have to live with. So Larry, when this happened and this, this all is kind of evolving very rapidly, what is the process like for you guys as a team? Considering you played the jazz not that long before all of this happened, what is just that period like in terms of um, the team giving you, telling you guys what's going on, what the protocol is going to be? What does just that little snippet in time look like for you? So it it all happens so quickly. Um, It all happens so quickly. So I think, you know, if you remember, you know, there was, the jazz game was about to go on or the jazz were about to play a thunder. And then the reports came out of them stalling the game. And then Chris Paul coming over to the bench and saying, Hey, what happened to Rudy? Um, Like we're literally following this just like the rest of the world on Woj's Twitter. And so we're, we're scheduled to like, I was literally in my closet packing to go on this, you know, to go on this, you know, week long road trip on FaceTime with, with Kevin and Tristan trying to figure out like what is going on right now. And, um, you know, we, we were all just kind of sitting there like, okay, there's no way, there's no way we're going, you know, there's no way if Rudy got diagnosed, we just played them, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to shut us down. And, um, and, uh, you know, sure enough, sure enough they did, but, um, Mm -hmm. it was just, uh, I mean, it, it was just crazy because it all happened so fast. It really all happened so fast. Like Rudy got that. Rudy got diagnosed. Um, they canceled that rest of the NBA games, and then they suspended the season, like all in one swoop of a night. And um, you know, for us, it was just it was insane because that's literally our that's our plans for until they're not, you know, this is, this is what we do. That's our job. And so, um, you know, we didn't know whether, you know, we have, we still have no idea whether the season's coming back. We have no idea if we're going to finish. We have no idea if there's going to be a playoffs. We have no idea about, we know, we truly know just as much as the general public. Larry, have you, um, when, when this, when this is going on and you're kind of trying to figure out what exactly is going to happen next, I mean, this is going to just be seem like it's going to be an ongoing thing, but if you do you have, have you guys gotten like any indication on, and if there's a plan, what the plan would be for the season resume, do you have any kind of considering you are someone who could, who would be maybe more effect, who could theoretically could be more affected by this than the average player is, do you have like an opinion on how this should proceed and, and if, and how the season should resume? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I, I can't even, Right now, I don't. I mean, I, I feel like it's fair to say this. I, I don't like. I, I have zero interest in in anything basketball related right now. It's it's. Mm-hmm. There's no. There's no. Nobody should be. You know, that's just not. 
that's not where we're at right now. Um, you know, I, I would like to see, I, I, I don't even know what I would have to see to, to get this, to, you know, to go, go back to want to playing, but um, I do know we're very far from it. You know, obviously, you know, being one of the people that, um, you know, it would be more affected by this. Like I, I, I'm not going back anytime soon. I think the league is pretty certain we're not going back anytime soon. And so, 